This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. We've been in a series called A Good Example, and we have been looking at what does it mean to be a good example to believers in speech. That was week one. Then we looked at uh, in love, in conduct. Today we're in faith. Next week we'll end with purity. And we get this from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. It's where we get the outline. And it's an older pastor talking to a younger pastor at a young church, dealing with young church issues. But I would argue not just young church issues. It's what all churches tend to deal with a lot of the time. And how do you continue to lead in that? And he says to him, don't let anyone look down because you are young. Don't let them look down on you because you are young. Instead, set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And in week one, we looked at this and we said that we all know examples in our lives. And I'm looking around the room at a lot of young people. And you want to be this young person that when you are in a group of your peers, whether it be in junior high or high school, college, whatever, in the workplace, you want people to look at you and say the words, you're wise beyond your years. Right? When I look at you, you're a good example for those around you in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. But then we looked at the other side of that and said, just because you're old doesn't mean you're mature. Can I get an amen on that one? Uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, we, we get this great term, the blossoming almond tree. It's referring to gray hair and a sign of old age and maturity. And I look around the room, I see a lot of... Uh, uh, blossoming almond trees among us in the 10. My father-in-law sitting over there, Denny, he's lost all his leaves together, but we're glad he is here. My, they, I wanted you to meet my Norwegian friend from Minnesota to talk him into staying into Branson, Denny, and, but he was at the first service. So, and he's on to Naples because you weren't here at 830. Uh, but we've also looked at the fact just because you're a senior adult, typically age, you look at someone with a blossoming almond tree, you should see someone and go, that's a mature person. But it's not always true. Age is not a guarantee of maturity. And we want to be known as those and set good examples. But I did something a little bit different this week that I'm going to encourage you to do. I sat down and I started writing the names of people who have been a good example to me. A lot of times in this series we can talk about, right, I want to be a good example to my children. I want to be a good example to my spouse, good example to you know, fellow believers in this church and in this community. But who has been a good example for you? If I can encourage you, don't just write it down. Journal it. Spend some time thinking about it. And, and as we jump into this, we're just going to introduce this with faith because as we talk about faith and talk about growing and maturity in our faith, it starts for us in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Today we're not talking about a weak faith or a strong faith means, you know, you're saved or you're not saved. Okay, we're going to settle that up front and early on. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. You are not the source of your salvation, period. There's nothing you can do. Can't add anything to your life. There's nothing you can stop doing, so we don't believe in salvation by addition. Start doing a bunch of great stuff, and heaven's your home, and Jesus is your Savior. Stop doing all these bad things. Jesus is your Savior, savior heaven's your home. We don't believe in salvation by subtraction either. 
Salvation comes by one name, and that name is Jesus. We've been worshiping that name today. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast about it. It's not a result of your works. What you're doing good, what you stopped doing that was bad, so that you cannot, you and I cannot boast about it. Timothy Keller says it this way, and I, I thought this was a beautiful way to settle this right up front before we talk about a growing faith, growing in our faith and strengthening our faith. It is not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. And all God's people said, it is Jesus. Strong faith in a weak branch is fatally, meaning goes nowhere, inferior to a weak faith in a strong branch. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please him. Meaning we walk by faith, not by sight. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Colossians 2, 6 through 7, we read, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. And that's what we're talking about today. Continuing to live your lives in him. Sanctification, becoming more like Christ, settling the salvation issue, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. And then Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy, and this, this is when I really started writing down the names of older believers, and a lot of people on my list are, are no longer with us. They went to be with the Lord years ago. Paul says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and at the end of it all, I have kept the faith. I kept the faith all the way up until the end. The first name I wrote on my list this week after really meditating on this passage was Jim Sedlicek. Anybody in here have the opportunity to spend time or know Jim personally? Uh, There's a few of us in here, a lot more in the 830. Jim was an elder at our church, and he came to know the Lord late in life in his 40s. And everything changed for him because he was a business guy. He went after it, spent a lot of time in his work, a lot of time traveling for his work. He was passionate uh, about growing businesses and all that. But he came to know the Lord in his 40s and everything changed. His priorities changed and he went all in for Jesus and serving the bride of Christ, the church. And he was an elder at our church and I was able to walk alongside Jim in his 70s. And Jim had ailments, as a lot of those in their 70s and 80s do, and we'd be having coffee together or sharing a meal together or in a meeting, and there were times he would move in the chair or get up and kind of wince, he'd kind of go like this, but it was very subtle, but I would call it out. i go, Jim, you okay? How are you feeling? He hated, absolutely hated hated to talk about his feelings. (laughs) He hated to talk about what was going on with him. Is anybody in here, any stubborn people like that in here, would you just raise your hand? You just don't want to talk about the way you're feeling. Jim never liked to talk about his ailments. And what people did, most people didn't know about Jim is he had shingles. Uh, How many have had shingles? Let me just see your hands. Okay, a lot of of people in our church. And they'll tell you. I mean, he had his shingles from his eyebrow here up through his hair. And look at the, oh yeah, ooh, I, I'm getting ready to turn 50 and I'm, I think I'm getting the shot. Don't anybody come after me with the vaccination talk because 
I don't want shingles because I've, I've watched Jim go through it. Anytime I'd call it out, I'd go, Jim, is that your shingles again? And you know what Jim referred to his shingles as? Or any ailment, even the ailment that ultimately took him out. You know what he referred to it as? Rust. <laughs> that was his way of just stop talking to me about it, Ted. It's just rust. You, you expect an 80-year-old person to be in tip-top shape? No. Are you driving an 80-year-old car with no rust on it? No. And after this week, we all better go get some washing done on our vehicles, get the salt off before we get... But that was his, his word with it. It's just rust. And, and I just... When I think about the person who has fought the good fight, finished the race, kept the faith, Jim was so sold out to Christ and everything was about Jesus. He felt talking about himself or anything going on with himself was a complete and total waste of time. And I'm like, I I would tell him, I go, Jim, I'm trying to figure out which part of this is your faith in Christ and just your stubborn personality. I'm trying to figure that out. But let me ask you this question. It's a question I've been asking myself all week. When my faith is put to the test, where do I place my trust? When my faith is put to the test, where is my trust? And you probably have seen a lot of believers over the last couple of years with what we would call misplaced trust. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in themselves. I'm not putting a lot of trust in myself. That's why we sing it here. And I love when we tag songs in this service and in this church and in our gatherings with, Turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in his wonderful face. See, when we go through the difficult seasons and our faith is put to the test, when we go through difficult seasons and stages of life, it's at that moment we turn to the object of our faith to strengthen our faith. Remember Gary Smalley when he used to stand up here? Another man on my list, a good example for me who is now with the Lord. He would stand up here and often do this. He goes, hey, if you want more faith, this isn't how you get it. He would say, it's not willing. I'm just, give me more faith. I need more faith. It's like, yeah, it doesn't work. You're just exhausted by the end of it. Don't do this for more faith. Just do this. Turn your eyes upon Christ, the source, the object of your faith. But let me ask, what shakes your faith? I think there's only two things that shake a person's faith. Shakes my faith. Trials and people. Can you think of anything else that doesn't fit in one of those two categories? Difficult seasons, stages, or as we sang about, circumstances. We sang that the circumstances you're in would pass, but some of you know they've been with you a long time and they're going to stick with you. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Others of you have people in your life that suck the very life right out of you. (laughs) And you've been hurt by Christians, believers in the church. Some of you are at this church because of the way you were treated at another church. And people cause you to shake your faith. I I think we're seeing it in the last two years with the pandemic. We're all trying to figure out why have people drifted in their faith? Why have people drifted in their faith and drifted from gathering with other believers? Trials, it could be a pandemic. It could be people and the way people have responded to the trials. But let's be honest. Sometimes you're in a trial We're not going to talk about these trials today. The trials that you bring on yourself from the decisions that you make or the sin in your life. But we're going to see today, that's not why trials always come to us. The difficult, but so the question becomes, what if what's shaking our faith, God actually wants to use to shape your faith? Because when you study the scripture, trials in people, still God's plan for shaping our faith. 
Tommy Nelson, pastor in Denton, he says what? Trials are God's divine curriculum in the faith. It's where we're tested. It's where we're tried. It's where the storms come. And we see after the rain comes and the wind blows and it beats against the house, we find out pretty quick, where's your foundation? What have you built your house? What have you built your life? What have you built your marriage? What have you built your family upon? God uses people and trials to shape us. We want to explore that a little bit today. Here's what I know about a good example too. I've had a lot of good examples in my life. I wish I I could share a bunch of the stories with you and illustrations with you, but I'm hoping you really process through your own. Someone who's been a good example to you in the faith. Uh, Some of you have had good examples in your life that you haven't listened to. I've had them. As a parent, we get this. Try to be a good example for our kids and tell them, hey, if you do this, this is going to happen. And they're like, I'm doing it anyway. And let me give you, let me try to express the inner feeling of a parent when you do that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let's see how this works out for you. There's a video actually going around this week that proves this point perfectly. Take a look. The child will not stop insisting on tasting this. I keep telling him it's going to be gross, but he does not want to listen. So I'm going to let him find out for himself. It's the best thing you will see on the internet this week. Raise your hand if that kid deserves it. Now watch this. Raise your hand if you did that as a kid. That is not Hershey's syrup. But how many of you tried to make chocolate milk out of Hershey's cocoa at some point in your life because mom refused to put sugar in the pantry for us? I'd call my mom at work. Would it kill you to get some Swiss cake rolls in this house? Uh, huh? Chocolate gravy? Out of that? I was raised in Chicago. We had better sense than that. We didn't do. Some of you are like, not anymore. Uh, but we all can say, man, some of us have to learn the hard way. And, but, but don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example What's the point of an example? Scott talked about this last week, right? An example, you follow it. (laughs) But I love that. How many of us as parents have had to do that before? Had to share that before? Here's what we learn about hardships. And I think it's a very important part of theology. And very important to understand this in your Bible. Because sometimes you'll hear people say, the reason you're going through this suffering is because of sin. And true, there is suffering from sin, absolutely. Uh, The reason you're going through this trial is because you just don't have enough faith. Your faith is weak. But we learn in the scripture that hardships, suffering, uh, tribulation, it's part of life under the sun. Under the sun, this great word picture in Ecclesiastes for just life upon this earth. 
Life upon this earth is challenging, it's difficult, it's painful, it's grueling. We read in Psalm 90 and verse 10, the Psalm of Moses, a prayer of Moses. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. This isn't a guarantee, but it's just speaking of everyday, ordinary lifespan. I, and I love uh, calling out the good examples when I do marriage events. I always love, I find out the couple married the longest, couple married the least. And um, it's always couples, you know, in their 50, been married in their you know, 50 plus years. Uh, I was in Iowa Friday night, a couple married 62 years. And I always like to call them out and talk to them throughout the whole time to get examples from them and try to mine that from them. Hey, tell me. And this guy, he didn't, he didn't, I hope he's watching. He wasn't really into it. Uh, it about my fourth question in, this is all he does to me. He goes, so he didn't get a free book. How about that? Uh, I gave him a 50% off coupon. Uh, but I love when, when I do events with Paul Harris because he tells the story of the couple married 70 years. Man, what's it take to have a marriage go 70 years? A guy yelled up, don't die. And I thought, that was, that's a beautiful one. Not a guarantee of life, but just ordinary lifespan. But look at this. This is, this is throughout all of the scripture. Yet the best of these years are but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass. We get that in Scripture. Life is brief, it's short, it's a mist, it's a vapor. And we fly away. But we often focus on how short life is, but we forget to add to it. And in this short life, there will be hardship. There will be pain. There will be suffering and it will be difficult. And as we talk today uh, to the believer, right? Set a good example for the believers, as we talk to believers today, here, please hear me. A growing faith does not eliminate trials. It helps us endure them. So the trial you're going through right now because of just living life under the sun is part of God's divine curriculum. So to add to, so Timothy Keller talks about the object of our faith saving us. Here's what he says about it going through Difficult times. It's not the quality of my faith, the strength of my faith, but the object, Jesus, of my faith that holds me up. And if you have your Bibles and want to turn to Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, a lot of times when we read Romans 3 through 5 is a very common text for us to go to to talk about trials and how they build character and endurance and lead us ultimately to hope. But you have got to start in context with verses 1 and 2. Because 1 and 2 are key for getting into verses 3 through 5. And here's what we read in Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified. Talking to believers, justified, it means to be acquitted. It means to be declared righteous. Justified, here it is, by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This peace right here is not speaking of a warm, fuzzy, sentimental feeling. That's not what it's talking about. I just I want peace of heart and mind tonight. That's not at all what it's talking about. This is peace with God, meaning the wall of hostility has been brought down because of Jesus. There is no longer hostility between God and believer. I'll take it even further. This is peace as, as we've been dealing with this week as we've turned our hearts and minds towards Ukraine. This is peace with God, meaning we are no longer, believer in Christ Jesus, at war with God. 
Why would we be at war with God? Because before Christ, you are an enemy of God. It is Jesus that declares you righteous. It's the work of Jesus. It's not of you. It's not of me. Very important. So you've been saved, justified, acquitted, declared righteous because of Jesus, and you're now at peace with God. But it doesn't stop there. Through him, Jesus, we have also obtained access. So we've been justified, we have peace, and now you and I get to go straight to the throne of God. Peace with God brings us access to him. For there is but one mediator between God and man. It is not a human pastor, it is not a human priest. It is the person of Jesus. Jesus is your high priest, believer in Christ Jesus. He is the one that gives you access to the throne of God. And here it is. Justified by faith, obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Verses 1 and 2, you'd say, that's enough. What else do I need? Look at what verse 3 says. Not only that, you should read these three words after reading verses 1 and 2 and really digging into them. You should get to verse 3 and read not only that and go, wait, there's more? Wait, there's more than that? What else do I need after I am no longer an enemy of God? I have peace with God through Christ Jesus. I have access to the throne of God at any moment of any day, throughout any trial or any difficult circumstance. I have complete and total access. Yes. Why do I need more? He says, well, not only that. Oh, wait. This isn't a commercial. This is the scripture. But wait. There's more. We rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our tribulations. When's the last time you were online and heard someone talking about the difficult times they were having in their life and rejoicing in it? What do you see online more, rejoicing or whining? I got, and, and before I go pointing the finger at other people, let me take the gigantic log sticking out of my eye and go, I need to look back on my past post. A friend of mine told me that this morning after the first service. I go back, I need to look at some of my posts. We, because of peace with God and access to God, we rejoice in our sufferings. We know that our suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. We become good examples. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. A great commentary I read this week on it that I think will encourage you and remind us of what not only Paul is teaching to the Romans, but what we need to be reminded of throughout all of Scripture. And it's simply this. In the New Testament, suffering is viewed as the normal experience of a Christian. Right? It's not about escaping And yes, I do pray that God removes you from the circumstance that you're in. We can pray that. But I find, especially in my work with couples, wanting me to help them get out of the season or stage of life that they're in. I can't help them out of the season or stage of life. We just went through this pandemic together. I couldn't couldn't get us out of it. You couldn't get us out of a pandemic. There are some going, yes, you can. You do this, this, this. I can do my part in it. But we went through that together. Stage of life. Couples come in like, oh, it's a rough stage of life. Can you help us? And I, well, I can't. If you have a three, a five, and a seven-year-old, <laughs> you're going to have one later today. I mean, it's still, you still got a three, a five, and a seven-year-old. You're going to be in this stage of life. So it can't always help you out of the season or the stage. But the suffering and the tribulations and the hardships that believers face, this was viewed as normative in the New Testament. 
new converts were warned that the kingdom of God could be entered only through many tribulations. How many churches in the country today are giving that as their invitation? Come to Jesus and your life, it's going to get very difficult. Come give your life to Christ. There's going to be a lot of pain and hardship brought on you. Is that, what, is that what we're hearing? Or are we hearing, come to Jesus, wealthy, healthy, everything's going to be great, your problems will go away. And you even hear preachers will say things like, Jesus doesn't want that for you. Through many tribulations. He goes on to say, this is F.F. Bruce, and when tribulation came their way, as it regularly did, They could not complain that they had not been prepared for it. What a burden it puts on the church and on leaders. I would say even on parents to remind those that we want to be a good example for. Hey, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. And instead of being that parent that creates environments for their children to succeed and never experience pain, loss, hurt, or difficulty, we are parents who prepare our children To make it in environments they can't control. That are full of pain, loss, hurt, and difficult times. Some of you are like, this is your first Sunday at church. Like, it's one of the most encouraging messages (laughs) I've ever heard. It is if your eyes are on Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith. It's a long quote. We even have one more slide after this, so let's keep going. But suffering was not only regarded as an inevitable feature of the Christian lot, it was looked upon as a token of true Christianity. Meaning, when you were going through suffering for your faith, it was seen as a mark of your faith, what you were going through. As a sign that God counted those who endured it worthy of his kingdom. 2 Thessalonians 1-5. through Besides, it had a salutary moral effect on those who experienced it. So good benefit on those who experienced it for it helped them to cultivate endurance and steadfastness of character. And when these were linked to Christian faith, Christian hope was the more stimulated. So I pondered that this week and encourage you to meditate upon Romans 5, 1 through 5 this week. And I I came to this conclusion. The Christians I look up to the most have suffered the most. I, I went through my list of, of people. I don't get to share them all with you today and all the men and women that are on this list that are good examples in growing in their faith and going all the way to the end of their life. And I can tell you, I have younger people on this list, but most of the people on this list are with the Lord now. They kept the faith all the way to the end. The Christians I look up to the most have suffered the most. Gary Smalley on my list, I was reminded of a story he shares about another man on my list. He said, he told me once, I don't think he ever shared it in a talk, maybe he did, but he said, I was in a buffet line with Pastor Chuck Swindoll, and I remember when he told me, I'm like, man, I would love to be in a buffet line uh, with those two. Uh, He said, and I asked him, and you know, Gary always loved to ask questions that kind of just Uh, out of the blue and like where'd that come from and Gary asked Chuck he said uh, why are you uh, one of the leaders I most admire like why do why do I look up to you so much and trust God at work in you so much and and Dr. Swindoll was so taken back by by that question he said 
can, can you give me some time to think about it? Which I think that's part of a blossoming almond tree too, not answering questions right away. Like letting me think about it. Let me ponder it. I want to give you a good answer. And he came back to him later on and said, Gary, I have an answer to your question for you. And Gary said, what is it? And he said, it's one word, pain. Pain. Right, because we, I, we admire uh, people's strengths, but we, we really identify with and go with their weaknesses. It's why you love the movies that you love. When you see someone, you know, down, someone looks like it's over. My wife's really been into these uh, sports movies lately, like any sports movie uh, she's into. And I'm like, all right, we're becoming a sports family. Uh, and, but she's just re- she loves the underdog. That wins. It's like, yes. Yes. Right? That's why we identify with that. We relate to that. The pain. And in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews gives us a beautiful picture of how we grow our confidence in the faith and mature in the faith. And we read this in Hebrews chapter 10. And again, the encouragement always there is, don't re- you, you've experienced the gospel of Jesus. You've come to faith in Christ Stick with Jesus. Don't revert back to Judaism. Stick with Jesus. Where you started. Don't go back. And we read, recall the former days, the former tribulations, difficult times, when after you were enlightened or after you were saved, after you came to faith in Christ, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. Are we seeing this today? When you see someone going through a difficult time, maybe being falsely accused or allegations coming against them. We've seen this over the last couple of years and with cancel culture and all that. I don't want to get too close to this person because I don't want this trial on me. I don't want to be brought into this with you and the silence of our friends hurts way more. Right, than the pain that's brought on us by the allegations or accusations of our enemies. We'll talk about that. Like, why, why are we moving away from when as believers in Christ, we should be stepping toward one another? And as we studied armor last year, putting on the full armor of God that you can stand against the devil's evil schemes, right? We're called to go shoulder to shoulder with each other through battle. We're called to stand in the truth. We're called to enter battle standing against the devil's schemes, not retreating and not backing away. But some of you, yeah, have have been partners with those who have been going through it. For you had compassion on those in prison who have suffered in that way, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Let's repeat that one. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Financial hardship came upon you. And you joyfully received it because you have been saved. You've been justified. You have peace with God and access to God through Christ Jesus since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. He was with you. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. I not only looked at my list of those who I've looked up to who have grown in the faith, who've been strong in the faith, But I I want their stories, and all of them have stories of pain. All of them have stories of difficult situations and times in their lives where they were hurting. And, and, And if you really dig into their stories, as you'll do, as you think through those who have been a good example for you, you'll see others that have come alongside. And when I looked at this list, I realized, oh, yeah, I remember when when 
he or she went through that and then this person down the list a little bit. Oh, remember when he or she came alongside that person, what they said. Man, you're taking mental note of all of this. But we've seen people drifting over the last couple of years, shaken in their faith rather than shaped in their faith. And I know some of you are here because you have had great pain inflicted upon you by the church, by the family of God. Maybe you're coming from another church where you experience the pain. And I wrestled with it this week. I confessed before my Father in heaven, knowing that, yeah, I've had hurt from the church brought upon me. And we've heard the expression, hurt people hurt people. And a lot of us in here can admit we've been hurt by the church, but we've also caused it. We need to wrestle with that as well. And I've asked the Lord to bring to mind another list of people. Help me grow this list of people that I have hurt in the church that I need to go back to and make and take every opportunity, make every effort at peace. But here's what I know as painful as the church can be, because we are all sinners saved by grace, as painful as the church can be, it's still God's plan for growing us in Christ. And I can't encourage you enough. If you're still drifting and gathering isn't important for you, please find your way back to a gathering. And I know a lot of you are watching from around the country. Find a local church in your community that you can plug into. I was thinking about it this week. The Big C Church online, I I love people that kind of put down the local church and they do that by saying, I'm part of the Big C Church. Yeah, 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 we're all part of the Big C Church. I get that. But let me tell you what I love about the local church that the Big C Church doesn't give me. And the Big C Church right now, if you get online a lot, you'll see a lot of the toxicity going at each other. A speaker, preacher, leader, another believer says the wrong thing at the wrong time. And it is like sniper fire coming off the rain. Bam, you're done. You know what's great about a local church? We are here doing life together in community together. And there are every now and then I say something I probably shouldn't say. Uh, I... I I get that we offer grace to one another. When you know people, that's something the local church brings you. The local community of believers brings you that you don't get in just big C church. As painful as it can be, this is still God's plan for growing us up in Christ. In Ephesians 2, we read, so then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And it's not, no one in here is the cornerstone. Jesus Christ himself is the cornerstone. I heard this week one pastor say this, it's quite common in church planting to galvanize people around a bond of bitterness towards their past church experiences. But in my experience, most of those churches fall apart in a few years. They either turn in on each other or cannot energize people for the mission. And if I can just encourage you with a couple last thoughts and, and to take away from today's message. If mean, judgmental, hypocritical Christians shake your faith, then maybe others are your source of life. And it's time to stop looking to other Christians to be your source of life and turn your eyes on the true and only source of life. The people gathered around you right now, they're limited supplies. And when you plug into limited supply, it makes you desperate. Plug into the true and only source because it's unlimited free refills. And if I can encourage you, stop obsessing over Christians who harmed you and start spending time with those who help you and speak words and build you up. Katie, would you put that picture up of President Zelensky? Uh, I actually, this picture made me emotional yesterday for a lot of reasons. And I almost, when I saw this picture, tore up all these notes 
and said, we're doing a brand new message. But then my fear was it would be unfiltered. I would say things, it would, you know, and it would be, it'd be really bad. <laughs> Stick with the outline. Katie needs the outline by Friday to put all these slides together. So the Lord has to be done speaking at noon on Friday. Uh, <laughs> This is leadership. This is leadership. And I'm not, I'm not going back to the 80s conversation in the Cold War of how do you bring peace? Is it peace through strength or peace through disarmament? <laughs> I lean one way. Uh, definitely believe peace through strength, but I'm not, that's not the conversation. The conversation, when he said, we don't need a ride, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition. I said, well, guess what? In the Ozarks, we've taken an offering of ammunition. We're going to bring your guns to the altar. We're sending them to Ukraine. We probably have 750 guns by the end of this morning in all three services. That was my flesh. Okay, that was not, that was not, that, that's where I, I, I feel things like you feel things when I'm watching all this. What I saw was a guy saying, I'm not abandoning my fellow citizens. I'm not abandoning people. Uh, I'm actually going to put on a vest. And you know, I love wearing vests. I just never wore one quite like this. And he said, I'm going to go stand shoulder to shoulder with him. That's the church. When we go into battle, I'm not supposed to say, hey, Ron, good luck. Get out there. I'll be in the bunker uh, back here. Let me know how this goes. No, we're supposed to stand. We learned that. And we have been talking about that a lot at this church. Don't forget... For those who want to wing this thing as lone rangers, God's not called you to be a lone ranger. He's called you to be in the family of God, fighting against the devil's scheme, shoulder to shoulder. And not fearful of, if I get in this battle with you, and this pain with you, and this struggle with you, and this, no. And what did he say? If I die, I die. I know where I'm going. I know heaven's my home. And this is, this is just the call for all of us today. If people and trials are meant to shape us, whose trial are you stepping into this week? You're like, ugh, I don't have the emotional energy. Filter and then pause and then... (laughs) Step up. Step up. Join someone. Build someone up with your words. Encourage someone. Pray with someone. Step alongside them. Not a, oh, I don't want to get involved. If somebody sees me with you, then I'll probably be the next target. So be it. So be it. Let God use you this week to be a good example in the faith as he has been a good example for the world and that all the nations of the world would come around him to stop the evil aggression that's coming against Ukraine. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we do. We pray for the evil aggression to be halted today. We pray for more leaders around the world and in this nation to stand up for what is right and to stand up for truth. But we know our role in the church, first and foremost, is to stand with one another against the devil's schemes, to put on the full armor of God so that when the battle comes, we are ready. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day of their salvation that they would be justified, acquitted, declared righteous because of Jesus. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said...